Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Getting to the end of January and almost ending the 20s of the 50 most relevant. Hello, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you are well. And over the past four seasons, Zach Merritt has been among one of the most beloved and popular premiums in a majority of our formats. Will the trend continue in 2020? Or has some of the shine gone off Zach Merritt? To talk about this Essendon star, i got Jimmy on. Hello, buddy. Hello, MJ. Hello, listeners. It's nice to have you on. Just 24 years old, this superstar of the Essendon Footy Club. And while it's not his personal best season, there was some moments of 2019 that were a thing of beauty for those that were on Zach Merritt. As a midfielder, his best score last year was a 143 in AFL Fantasy against the Kangaroos. And then a personal best of Supercoach in his career was against Brisbane, a 155. Not a bad ceiling for a guy that's that's kind of considered as a DT and AFL fantasy player only. In terms of his seasonal averages, just over the 108 marker in AFL fantasy and dream team and a 105.6 in Supercoach in that format. Going to set you back just over $573,000, a touch over 800 k in AFL fantasy and $782,400 in dream team. Jimmy, when we talk about Zach Merritt, those that have played fantasy footy for a long time, probably most fondly remember him from the year of the Essendon drug supplement saga where their entire midfield was depleted. And with Zach Merritt as a forward, we got an absolute superstar who went 110-plus across the formats. Oh, those were glory days, weren't they? It's, um, you know, but uh, the rest of his teammates are back this year and um, as they have been for a couple of years. And his scoring's dropped off a little bit, but, uh, gee, they're still solid numbers. Yeah, look, he's still doing okay last year in the AFL. He ranked uh, inside the top 15 in the league for inside 50s, total disposals, tackles, handballs, and uncontested possessions. Was going about 28 touches a game, four marks, five tackles, and those inside 50s we talked about averaged five inside 50s a game. He started to develop a little bit more of an inside part to his game this past year too, didn't he, Jimmy? We started to not just see the outside cherry picking of Zach Merritt, which for fantasy coaches we love, but we did start to see some two-dimensional elements of him in and out of the contest. He's definitely grown as a player. He used to be very much that sort of outside seagull. Um, you know, I don't want to compare him to Brandon Ellis, but it was a not too dissimilar a role at times um, in a lot of ways. And, um, but, he's, yeah, he's getting a lot more of that inside now. He's, um, you know, and, and he does run both ways, yeah. when to, um, which is nice. So it, um, I think, yeah, those sort of things you know, are, are helpful, maybe uh, a little more from a super coach point of view. Mm. And we don't care how he's getting the ball as long as he's getting it. <laughs> um, but, uh, but from an inside point of view, it, um, it'll be interesting to see just what that role looks like now with the way that Essendon have recruited this year. Yeah, it's a good point. When we talk about his fantasy footy season last year, he averaged 108 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Played every game. Got yourself 15 tons across that season. Not a bad statistic. Just over half, just about half of them were over the 120 marker. And if you timed your run right with Zach Merritt, didn't have a great first game, got the Matty DeBoer tag. He was not the only person to suffer from that uh, during the season. But if you timed your run with him pretty nicely, 
you got some good returns because round 4 to 15, if you jumped on him, your lowest score was 99. Not, not a, bad, eh? Not a bad run in there. He had only two scores below 92 all year. Both were in the 50s. One of them was that Matt DeBoer tag in round one. The other, he spent the majority of the second term off against Sydney undergoing a concussion test. So, look, really, two games with the difference, and one of them was because of an injury. Gosh, he's pretty consistent in that format. Well, that's it. And if you take those two games out, you know, you can't take, especially the De Boer one, you yeah, can't take you can't that. That's hard. That's going to happen. But when you look at those figures as a whole, you know, if you're getting 1,500s out of 22, that's not bad. When five of the remaining seven, I'm pretty sure we're at 90 or above, correct me if I'm Yeah, not. between 92 um, and 99. Yeah, so if his low scores for the year, that one game aside uh, against De Boer, are in the 90s, gee, that's nice. There's no risk really in picking him from that point of view. He's not. Um, knowing that even if he doesn't go at his best, he's still going to give you a reasonable enough outcome. It's not going to kill your score week to week. Yeah, it's certainly true. In Supercoach, uh, he had an average of 106 across last year, 14 tonnes, half of them over 120. And like in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy, just the two really disappointing scores with the two under 80. If you want to look back at his 2018 numbers, 14 tonnes in Dream Team and Fantasy, six of them over 120, while in Supercoach, outscored in terms of the frequency of hundreds, got 15 last year and uh, in 2018s rather should I say in four over 120 really l- let's look at him over a four year window of time because that's what we want to look when we're talking about these premiums we don't just want one year of data we want to see that they can back it up and back it up uh, over the past four years he's missed just one game durability box check check 87 of a possible 88 games okay that's good here's what he's done in that period of time he's had 60 two AFL Fantasy and Dream Team tons over a four-year period. That is 171% of games. You'll take that. And in uh, Supercoach, not as strong, but still good. 52 tons in the past 87 games, going at 64% of games. In terms of his average over that four-year stretch, 111 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and a 106 in Supercoach. He just takes every. I just box. want to highlight on that before you keep going, MJ. So you're telling me that only, on average, over four years, seven weeks out of ten, he scores 100? Yeah. So three weeks out of ten, he's not scoring 100. Yeah. But his average is still over 110 in that period. Yeah. That's a very nice ceiling propping up those numbers. Yeah. Ceiling and that scoring floor, Four. as we highlighted, is really, really high. So unlike <laughs> others, yes, he, he's, we can talk about that tag game with Matty DeBoer. Yes, he, like almost every player in the league, can be shut down and stopped. Dusty had it last year. Dangerfield had it last year. Tim Kelly had it last year. We could do it with all the elite players. Pretty much all of them got negated by varying taggers across the game. Crips we talked about just a few days ago. But if you're getting numbers like that, even with those heavy tag games, he's not going to hurt you. And he's not getting talked about at all this preseason. It's extraordinary, isn't it? He's in, what, about 6%, 7% of AFL fantasy yeah, teams at the minute? Yeah, I think it's even less in Supercoach as well. And so we've got this yeah. guy who's got a four years of history that's shown he's mm. that 105-plus in Supercoach, 110-plus in Dream Team and Fantasy, and yet there's just no love for him this year. What is it about it, Jimmy? Is it Have we got better options this year? Is, is the tag the concern? Is it a lack of ceiling? What's the oh, flag that people look. are scared off by? 
I don't think it's that people are scared off too much. Um, I think it's just that these, there's, uh, there's new flavours of the month. Everyone's talking about Dunkley at the minute. Yeah. Um, you've got Mitchell coming back from a year off, and um, you know the, the GWS lads are, um, you know, any one of them is a, a worthy choice, and I don't think there'd be a team out there that doesn't have at least one GWS mid in it at the minute. Yeah. Um, and I think when you look at that, and that most teams are only going to have maybe four or five gun mids at most to start the year, um, people are just overlooking him. Yeah, uh, rightly or wrongly, and I think wrongly, just quietly, they're just not factoring him in as a, a valid option at the minute. Um, but I, I would strongly encourage people to, to take another look. Yeah, look, AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, without doubt, is certainly the format that he's mm-hmm. been at his best. But someone amongst the Supercoach community might go, well, he doesn't have the ceiling, he's not this. Well, well, again, remember, he got his best ever score last season against Brisbane, a 155. If that's not ceiling, yeah. yes, it's not the 190 Crips and the 200 Dunkley, but if, if that doesn't classify yeah. as a scoring ceiling, I think we're missing the mark. Oh, it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, I, and I kind of get the argument for Supercoach too because these gun mids in Supercoach, your, your Crips and your Dunkleys, your, um, your Josh Kelly types, um, when they go big, they go real big. Yes. And that, that does prop up their overall average. And if you na- manage to knock a captaincy bound band on them for that particular week, it's, um, you know, that's extraordinary. And Merritt has those good games where he'll get the 140s and 150s and you can't complain at them. Mm. Um but there is a, that extra level above. So I, I can understand people's hesitation in that super coach format yeah. from that point of view, and that he's going to be a solid choice. And sure. if he's sitting there as your M6, M7, M8 by the end of the year, happy days. You can't go too wrong. But whether he's the option to start with, if you're picking him, you, you are banking on him going that, that next step above what he did last year. Yeah, you do need him um, to pretty much go 110 in super coach. given the, what yeah. you're paying at. There's some guys, maybe we'll see them in the 50 most relevant, like a, a mm. Stephen Cornelio you, that's shown yep. he can do that. You do, because of the higher scoring ceiling and the amount of big premium options we've got through there, yeah, you need mm. a 110 out of him. I, I totally agree. Otherwise, oh, it's passing. Comfortably, comfortably. Yeah. But when you're looking at Dream Team, and, and when he does regularly, again, get those 140s, 150s, there aren't many that can do that on as consistent a basis as he can. And as you said, even just last year, never mind those previous two or three years before where he was really at that you know top handful in the game, Yeah, that 14-week stretch that he went on there, was um, that was phenomenal. And if you landed that... Well, you, you wouldn't be thinking too hard about him this year. You'd be locking him in straight away. Yes, and true. If you didn't have him, I'd go, take, again, take another look at those numbers there. Um, for that uh, Dream Team and Fantasy format, I think he's well worth it. Yeah, look, he started to show in, in some games, he's starting to work through a tag. Guys like Jack Steele and George Hewitt didn't have as big an impact on him. Yes, Matty DeBoer uh, got his scalp in round one. But as the year went on, the negating midfield, it wasn't as impactful um, in getting those 50 scores for him there. He does have a pretty difficult buy round if you're ranking him up against some other big names. Guys that we've already seen in the 50 most relevant in Andrew Gaff and Lockie Neal come off that mm-hmm. round, as does an Elliot Yo and a Patrick Day. So it's not exactly um, lacking in midfield premiums, but it's also not bustling for them like it is in, say, a round 14, where we've got mm. the GWS, the Western Bulldogs, the Adelaide Crows, Hawthorne, where, where it just feels like we've got 10 options there. It's only a four or five. So maybe he's a good yeah. little option, whether it be to start or upgrade. One thing I do know is if you play AFL Fantasy this year, with all the Thursday night games in that format, you don't have a rolling lockout. What you do get on the Thursday night games is the opportunity that Dream Team and Super Coaches get every week with the vice captaincy loophole. The, the Essendon Footy Club have the most 
Thursday night games. Round 3, 5, 13, and 16 is when Essendon have those Thursday nights. So, yes, round 4, he comes up against Matty DeBoer in the GWS. That might turn you away from it. But if you're looking for a vice-captaincy option, he gives you something at the start of the year, and he actually gives you something off the multi-buy as well. Yeah, I was going to say, and especially through the multi-buy when there's so much movement in the rankings to get two shots at your captain there, that's that's very tasty. Yeah, it's a pretty good option. Look, I really like him as a starting squad option in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Even though he's got a pretty poor round one history in the past two years, like 50 and 23 is what he got in the past two years in AFL and Fantasy and Dream Team. One of them was a uh, concussion, by the way. I was going to say, yeah. (laughs) 67 and Um, 17, we're being harsh. But look, it's not his favourite round of the year. No, no, it might not be, but yeah, that's that's perfectly fine. Yeah, look, um, I like him in that format. Yeah, very much so. Super coach, if you time the run right, maybe he has a poor game. Maybe Matty DeBoer gets under his skin, really brings that scoring history down, and the value is there. Mm. Don't mind him there too, but he needs to pretty much go about one ten from the point you yeah. get him to make that value selection. That's it, and I think with him, yeah, super coach, I'm I'm more content to wait and see there. Yeah. I think um, given his price, he's not huge value to begin with um, mm. on face again on on face presence at um, at that level but uh, if he has a, a decent couple of first games he's got um, Deboer I think he comes up against in what round four or round five four. yep round four there you go by that stage um, you'll know exactly where he's at and if Deboer takes his scalp again then uh, he'll be pretty cheap coming into round six or seven so that um, yeah might not be a bad time for an upgrade uh, if he's shown a bit of ceiling in that time around that game yeah, it certainly could. Uh, round 11, they play Gold Coast. That might be about a good time to have him there too. Well, yeah. um, it's always a good time to play Gold Coast. <laughs> Let's talk about where he goes in the draft. Different formats need a different strategy in how you rate him and rank him currently. Based right. on 2019's averages for midfielders, he's ranked 8th in AFL Fantasy. But yep. I, I'm seeing in some people's mock drafts at the moment, our friends at the Draft Doctors have the that mock draft simulator you can go and check out, but... I'm seeing even in there people jumping on him in the first round. Is he still a genuine first round, or is he someone we can wait till the second in that format? Look, I think it's going to largely depend on uh, whether you're drafting against someone who either owns him in the keeper league or isn't there some the Sure. Um, that's, I think, going to be the key factor, because this year we are seeing a lot of other mids being hyped up a lot more than he is at this point. Yep. Um, and so from that point of view, I think he is the type of mid that is going to slide a little bit. Um, if he's the eighth-ranked mid coming in, um, and there's always, you know, you're going to have um, uh, Grundy and Gorn taken in the first round. Yeah. Um, you're going to have Whitfield. Um, Probably and Lloyd. Dustin. Yeah. Yep, and Lloyd, a handful of others taken off other lines. So you, you know, even with a, a 12-man draft, you're, um, you're still looking at, I, I would think, probably early to second mid-round is when Merritt's likely to go, unless someone has just got him as his boy and they're going to take him earlier. Yeah, look, you'd be happy, wouldn't if you... Whether you land him at M2 and you're going, you know, aggressively midfield, or if you yeah. choose to get one of those early picks in another line and lock him in as M1, again, that's a well, really strong start absolutely. to your draft. Absolutely, that's a huge start, and and that that would be the sort of strategy I'd be looking to try and nail if I could. All right, in Super Coach, a little bit different, ranked 17 um, for midfield. Before we go on to that, though, oh yes, um, I did, I do want to talk about him from a keeper draft. Point oh, of okay, of course you do. Um, <laughs> He's um he is actually the type of player um this preseason if you've got trading open before the uh, the March um, preseason games 
is the sort of player that I'd be making a sneaky inquiry on at the moment if you don't own him. Um, if you've got a hype mid um, on your list at the minute, like a, a Dunkley, for example, um, if I owned Dunkley and I didn't own Merritt, I'd be talking to the guy that owns Merritt and saying, what would you give me if I put Dunkley on the table? And if you can get Merritt and a first rounder or Merritt and upgrade a, you know, your third defender or third forward to being a genuine top tier, um, because someone's viewing Dunkley as that, um, you know, and I'm using him as an example, but one of sure. those real hype sort of mids at the minute. Um, yeah, he's the sort that if you can get an upgrade out of that trade for a player that, um, you know, realistically is going to average roughly the same, you can't predict too much of a difference between them. Um, yeah, I, I'd be looking pretty closely at that, I reckon. All right, I'm interested in that strategy too. I'm, uh, I'm keen to see if someone would uh, take a bite at him. In terms of mm. super coach, though, ranked 17th for midfielders there. Um, not Let's be honest, he's not a first-round pick, and he's probably not a second-round pick there. The earliest I'd feel comfortable, and maybe it's a reach in a super coach format, is a third-round pick. Chances are he'd be there available in a few fourth-rounders, though. Yeah, I think that's probably about the mark. If you're picking him up as your probably your second uh, sort of midfielder there in that third or fourth round after you've taken one or two players on other lines, um, you know that's that's not a that's not a bad outcome. Um, he doesn't know, miss be, games. Wouldn't be com- I wouldn't be confident taking him too much earlier. Yeah, look, third round is probably a little bit of a reach for me. Fourth yeah. round is feels about the right time to get him in in, in yeah, a super think- coach format. Yeah, I tend to agree. All right, mate. Appreciate your thoughts on Zach Merritt. Very welcome. Anytime. If you want to go and check out the article on him, you can check that out at coachespanel.tv while you're there. All the other players of the 50 most relevant, you can check out. Access to our Patreon is found through there where you get exclusive content and early access to these podcasts. Also over at coachespanel.tv, some other articles helping you identify some breakout and some watch list candidates for your 2020 fantasy footy season. The number 21 player of the 50 most relevant drops tomorrow and another special guest joins me on the podcast.